are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at LockedOnDimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, for today's show, we got Josh Neighbors, part two of that conversation with the Locked On Nationals host. We're talking about Max Scherzer's contract. We ranked the top five shortstops in baseball. We even asked the question, or I asked the question, did Bryce Harper live up to his expectations coming out of high school? We'll get into all that and more, but first... This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this Sunday to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Now, let's jump right into that conversation with Josh Neighbors of Lockdown Nationals talking Max Scherzer versus Clayton Kershaw. Considering the totality of his career and the straight dominance he's had, I mean, how many, he's got three Cy Young Awards, one of the best pitchers of his generation, of course, but he gets compared a lot of times to Clayton Kershaw, and rightfully so. Those are probably the two best pitchers of, what, the last 10 to 15 years, uh, probably of this current era, current generation. So if you had to pick, you know, non-biased, don't put your Nationals input into this, who do you think is the better pitcher, or who would you rather start your franchise with? Max Scherzer. Clayton Kershaw. Oh, okay. Kershaw. That was he's, quick he's, answer. Well, no, it's, I mean, look, here's the thing is, here's the thing. Full disclosure, people who listen to the podcast know that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an, a Nationals homer uh-huh. in, the, in, in the way that, you know, some other people might be, they, you know, host the podcast. Look, Max is excellent. He is, he is one of the, I mean, he's such a great talent. And sure, if you want to put him up stride for stride with the way they've, they've, you know, their, their two careers, you can definitely do it. To me, Clayton Kershaw, day in and day out, start and start out, year in and year out. I mean, you've seen him as a, as a, as a Diamondbacks fan. He's got the same thing, too, his adaptability, right? Mm-hmm. As a fastball lost velocity, you know, loses velocity, he's leaned on that secondary stuff so much. And the way that he's able to use, especially his curveball, has you know, obviously just been nasty forever. But he is, to me, the, um, he is the example of what pitching success looks like, you know, of, of what, you know, that that's what the DeGroms, that is what the Scherzers, that, that is what everybody else, Garrett Coles are chasing is a career like Clayton Kershaw's. In my opinion, uh, he's the best pitcher I ever watched pitch uh, just, you know, just the way he, I mean, every single season. So love Max, not saying it's not close, but with the way Clayton Kershaw has distinguished himself through the long term. I, I think it's just he's just a, a little bit above Max uh, hmm. for what he's brought in his career. So the postseason pitching uh, doesn't weigh in. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the thing: is here's the thing is like, you know, am I gonna knock? Am I gonna knock Kershaw for Dave Roberts putting him in against Juan Soto and and uh, and, and you know Anthony Rendon and 
what was the eighth inning, seventh inning of a game? Mm-hmm. No, that's not really on him. It's a bad decision by the manager. And I know it's been bad playoff pitching, but here's here's to me the thing about pitching is that it's it's not a natural motion. Number one, think about that. Overhand throwing is not a natural motion. His durability throughout his career, number of innings that he's logged, and the caliber that he's pitched at is what makes him, in my opinion, a great pitch. Also, you know, Kershaw, I mean, I've heard the numbers were last year, but pretty decent in the postseason last year when they won the championship. So he's a champion now. And, and to me, 60 games, 162 games, I'm not, you know, we played the season last year out, still a championship in my line. Still, they're both still champions. Uh, really, both guys really accomplished. But to me, I'm still rolling with Kershaw. But it's it's not like it's a you know, an argument super far away. Yeah. What about I, you? What about you? Yeah, I would probably go Max just because Kershaw is a World Series performance last year. It feels a little fugazi to me just because you know not that many fans. He didn't have that fully pressurized playoff environment like he usually does. I feel like that played a pretty heavy factor the first time Kershaw performs on the big level there's like 10 fans in the stands I feel like there's a little bit of correlation there between his performance and the environment he's in so that's just my little own conspiracy theory on it but hey I like I think that might be some anti-division bias I think that's what that's what that might be hey hey that's what that is it might be but Kershaw's a stud no doubt about it he's still one of the best pitchers in our generation but would I want him on the big stage Uh, probably not there's a few pitches no I take Max over him yeah Uh, on the big stage take max over him but like over the course you know in their primes course for 30 start season i'm gonna take sure i want to go um kershaw okay i think scherzer has had some playoff struggles too there's been some moments where you're like dang yeah scherzer's out here getting yeah. crushed on the mound but let's let's get off the pitchers for a second let's talk about i want to talk more about the lineup because you guys uh you got some real can we not can we not can we not <laughs> talk about talk, the lineup Please, but not God, the, no. we won't talk about the whole lineup i just want to talk about two individual players i want to start with trey can i guess can i guess you can talk about trey turner once <laughs> okay. is that what we're gonna do yeah that's right the, the, the two studs in the lineup we gotta yeah. talk about them i want to first start with trey turner because this guy's been a stud uh he, he's a baller for you guys and just looking at his contract right now it doesn't look like he's gotten a fat extension extension uh yet so i just want to know when that extension's coming or is he going to get the anthony rendon treatment no he's he's they're gonna extend him um that is it's it's 110 percent what they're gonna do and here's the thing is is that as long as you've got trey and Juan in the lineup you're really you're, i mean you, you've got a chance to be competitive right if you build correctly you can be competitive because trey in my opinion with the speed that he brings i mean they're considering him moving him back in the lineup right now because he's just been such a good hitter this season um the guy is so consistent. He's fast. I mean, nobody turns crappy dinks off the end of the bat with the bats broken into singles like Trey Turner. Really solid shortstop as well. Defensive numbers can always improve. But for him, as the athlete he is, as the potential leadoff guy he is in a great lineup, as you know, two or whatever it is, I mean, he is, you know, who would you put up against him in terms of a all-around – I mean, also he's actually brought some pop this year too. Who would you put up against him as, as, as a guy – to set the table for you. I mean, is there anybody else in baseball you'd rather have at the front of your lineup than, than Trey Turner? Well, I'm not the front of the lineup. I did have a question for you that kind of leads into it. I have five shortstops here, and I want you to rank them real quick for me. Okay. I got Bogarts, Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox, Francisco okay. Lindor from the Mets, Trevor Story from the Rockies, your guy Trey Turner, and then Fernando Tatis. Rank those five okay. for me right now. So what am I ranking the base off of? Just how you, if you were doing a fantasy draft, not even like a fancy draft, but you were the GM of a team. They're all in a pool of players. How are you building your team with those guys? Who are you taking in that draft first? 
Josh and I will get into the debate of who are the top five shortstops in Major League Baseball. But first, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into that conversation with Josh Neighbors. So, like, I think the argument for Trey is the fact that he's on base all the freaking time. Like, if, if you know, if I have confidence in my team to build around him, I mean, look, they move him back in the lineup, whatever. That guy's always on base. Will he hit for power like Story or, or even Bogarts? Right? You know, it, I mean, Lindor, not as, not as much. But I, I think that, those guys, some of those guys, so like Lindor has a defensive advantage. I think Bogart's probably has a defensive advantage as well. But in terms of the all around, right? Solid play at there. And then, I mean, the guy hits over 300, like money. It's, it's money. Like every single year, he's going to do it. You know, <laughs> I actually, here's the weird thing I don't even think Trey has played his best ball yet this year, mm. which is weird because he's had stretches where he's gone over four in games and three for four games. Like I think that evens out and, you know, I, I think that he hasn't played his best ball yet. And I believe that in the right circumstances that like, yeah, he is a, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an MVP caliber player. He is, you know, on a team like this, no, he can't be because everybody else around him is bad, but you put him on, you, ask yourself this, put him on the Mets, put him on, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox, put him on a team like the Dodgers or the Padres. Where does he figure in with guys who are getting on base around him? He's an MVP caliber player, you know, not, not when there's awful Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell and Josh Harrison's your two hole hitter the entire time. And mm. Andrew Stevenson's hitting in front of you and Victor Robles says the guy is. So, I mean, to rank them, like, I think there is an argument for Trey to be up there just as much. It depends on what you're looking for as an evaluator, mm-hmm. right? What do you want from your shortstop? Oh, you're asking me what I want for my short. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, if, so, so, yeah. you know, but like that's, you know, what do you, what is it that you want? If you were to pick a shortstop, who would you pick? Oh well, looking at this list, I would probably lean Tatis because of right. that offensive package. But defensively, he's kind of sucked. I think, I think Story might be the best shortstop, honestly, because he's got the 40 home run power and he's low key. Like I think his speed is low key underrated. He led the National League in steals in 2020. He's, but here's the thing: he's not Trey Turner fast. No, he's not a Trey Turner. Fan. And swiping bags isn't what it used to be. Like swiping bags, you know, because because teams aren't hitting with runners in scoring position. So what does stealing a base mean at this point in time if teams can't drive you in, right? So yeah, that, that's just kind of you know, like for me, Trey is like getting on base. That's the big thing. And then I mean, if you're hitting the ball in the gap, first to third, nobody's nobody's faster. Even first to home in some situations, nobody faster. I'm not saying he's not the complete package in offense that Story is, that even Bogarts will endure. But but he is. He brings something else those guys don't in terms of the actual the speed. The speed is, is the big factor for me. 
And honestly, I don't think there's a wrong way to rank no, five not. guys. I like all five of those are studs. And just trying to do the exercise, I was like, it's honestly impossible. Or it's like trying to rank the top five players in the NBA or something like that. Like it's honestly impossible. It's better. I, right. I find it better to do tiers, honestly, than just to do yes. straight up rankings one through five because. And all those guys are different too. Like all of those yeah. guys do something a little bit different, which is like the kind of the cool part about it. Yeah, and. So moving off the shortstops, I mean, yeah, Trey Turner is a beast. We don't have to, you know, bludgeon that point anymore. But Juan Soto, he's another stud. The dude is like 23, 22, 23 years old. And what are your thoughts right now on just his overall season? Because Juan Soto has been good this year. I mean, he's still OBP king, nearly 400, average around 270. Doesn't seem like he's really taken off yet so far this year. Uh, Well, he got got hurt. So like he was, you know, I mean, I don't watch, you know, Watching West Coast baseball, it's, it's tough to watch East Coast baseball. So yeah. just full disclosure, he was out for a 10-day IL, was playing well before that, came back and really just didn't – has not always – has not been himself in some senses. So like he's really – he's still getting on base a bunch. Yeah. But it, it's – he can't take advantage of your misses yet. Uh, he's just not seeing it that – you know, if, if you're pitching, you're missing. He's not all the way back yet, but still, like his 70% is still like among the league best. He is unique in the fact that he gets better all the time. He wants to get better. You hear about he wants to steal a certain amount of bases, which I don't endorse, but he wants to steal more bases. He wants to win a golden glove. He's working on his English. Everything, you know, like, even, even, that matters. You know what I mean? Like Fernando Tatis is a, I mean, think about this now. Who's the most marketable player in the league? Fernando Tatis. He is in those commercials. I forget what the drink, the sports drink that Damian Lillard has. He's in those commercials because he is a guy that, you know, knows English very well, can market products to both Latino and the American communities. That matters. Juan sees that and is working on that to become a better media you know, personality and, and also a marketable star. I like that. I like that about a player, even if it's not a baseball tangible thing. The guy has goals. He sets them and uh, does not seem like somebody who's missed a goal that he's set yet. So performance, you can say what you want. Team's not been very good, but he is somebody that sets those goals and uh, he'll be damned if he doesn't reach them. Hey, we're all about the intangibles on this pod. I feel like we get too much into the numbers and not enough with the intangibles nowadays in baseball, but looking at Juan Soto's contract situation as well, it looks like he's got arbitration at least for the next couple of years. So I want to know what's going to happen first. He gets a fat contract or does he win an MVP? Probably MVP Scott Boris clients. Those guys mm. tend to wait to get their contract extensions. So yeah. there's a short answer, probably MVP first for uh, extension. Cause I mean, and he's talked about it too, whether or not he wants to be the first $500 million player, what it means, the nationals, situation. you know, cause that, that, that's where he's at. You know what I mean? That, I mean, that, that's when his contract comes up, uh, comes up, you know, in a few years time, we'll be asking, should Juan Soto get $500 million? So uh, that stuff's in the air, but I would say MVP first because he's a Scott Boris client. Josh and I will discuss whether Bryce Harper has lived up to expectations. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. Did you know they have new flavors? Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There is a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Built Bars is because they're healthy. I'm a health-conscious guy. I just came back from the gym and Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Go to BiltBar.com right now. 
Use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. Yeah, if you just responded with two words, Scott Boris, I would Scott Boris, yes. Yeah, that, that's all I needed. But yeah, I mean, looking at the contracts now, it doesn't look like we've even had a $400 million player. So Juan Soto jumping that to get a 500, that would be pretty. I mean, why wouldn't you? He's 22 yeah. years old. It, I mean, look, if you went around the league right now and you, and you said, could you, you know, would you offer this guy $500 million to the time he's, you know, I guess what, uh, 36, yeah, like 37 years. years old? Yeah, like 15 years, you're saying? Yeah, 15-year contract, 37 okay. years old, $500 million. I mean, he's worth the money, man. He's – he's. I'll tell you this. Like, I, I've run out of ways to describe him because of how damn good he is. In fact, just go back and watch the World Series. The kid's 20 years old in the World Series, and, I mean, some of the best pitchers in the game are like, how do I pitch this guy? What is the right way to pitch this guy? Um, took Kershaw deep, a guy who just endorsed very much, you know, in, in a – pivotal at that so yeah i'm i'm all in on one soto he's he's one of the best hitters in the game if not the best and he's going to be the highest paid player in the game if he wants to be yeah i mean it, it would be a smart move that's basically what the padres did with fernando tatis i mean he hasn't had a full season under his belt yet and they're like here 14 years 330 million yeah, that was smart the security angle yes yeah and i thought yeah i i was fine with it from the security angle and things like that but one guy who did not get that security from the nationals i want to talk about him that is bryce harper the the man the myth the legend the guy who was the number one overall pick basically Viewed as, I guess, kind of like the LeBron of baseball in terms of the come up and the expectations. I want to know, do you think Bryce Harper lived up to those expectations we had from entering baseball? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he did. I think he is, um, you know, baseball is one of those sports where how many misses him yet, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Dansby Swanson was, an, I think he was number one overall pick, right? Yeah. And he's a really good player, really solid player. But Bryce, for the expectations that he had, and where he's at now in his age, I mean, Bryce Harper is not, is, you know, he's got a, a little while until he's 30, right? He, he's not there uh, quite yet. So I think for people to say that, you know, Bryce has missed expectations, whatever. No, like the, the guy's 28 years old and he's tremendous hitter this year. I mean, tremendous hitter this year. Uh, mechanics, I didn't love early on. And, you know, but I think he's worked on those. He's become a more patient hitter. And really just has become a more team oriented, right? What does a team need me to do here? Uh, you know, it's not always about just hacking, trying to hit, right? Sometimes taking a walk from my squad is, is the best thing I can do. And, he, and I think the way he sees pitches now, it reminds me of the way he saw him in his MVP season. I mean, he is on track to put up an MVP caliber year. So, look, I am all in on uh, Bryce Harper as a as a Hall of Famer, potentially at the end of the day. And I think he can get there. So, you know, I, I still love watching him play. I, I really do. They might boom every single time because of the plate, but like he's, you know, might not be the best locker room guy in the world. He's a, he's a special talent, a special talent for sure. Yeah, and I agree. I think he's lived up to expectations. It's hard for someone to do the LeBron James method and right. actually shatter the mold with what you were expected, even though right. you had all the lofty expectations in the world. So what he's done, MVP, still been one of the premier players in baseball. I think he's definitely lived up to the number one overall billing that he's had coming out of high school. But why do you think, well, you probably know why, but why did the Nationals let him go? Why, you know, a homegrown guy? Why, why didn't they just keep him around? Well, th- <laughs> 
there were some decisions that had to be made uh, at that point in time. And I think it was time to let Bryce go. I think that, that you know, and look what happened afterwards. They won a title and he even said as much. He said it probably would. I think stuff in the clubhouse with him is not always the easiest. Um, and I don't think, I don't think he was supposed to be the clubhouse leader at that point. I don't think he could be the way that he was in Philadelphia. And I think there was a lot of clashing of heads. And so I think it was the best for him to move on and for the Mets to move on, or the Nationals to move on uh, as well. All right, we're wrapping up the pod here with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nats and Locked On Big 12. I just want to get one final question in, Josh. D-backs play a three-game series starting off tomorrow. We got Max Scherzer on the mound. What are your predictions for this series? Who wins it? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's baseball, right? I mean, who the hell yeah. knows what's going to happen? Um, I would say with this series, look, the Nationals are in a corner and they need the series really badly to, to kind of bounce back. And they're also coming off some positivity. So I think there's a sour taste in their mouths. They split two of the D-backs four. They should not have. Um, no, Once again, no offense, but this team has a bit more on the line at this point in time. The D-backs too. I feel so, con- I, I'm, I sound so condescending. I don't mean, I really don't mean to, but here's the thing. It's like, this team wants to compete. They want to win. They've got Juan Soto and Trey Turner and Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin, and they brought in Schwarber and they brought in Bell and they made all these moves and Brad Hand and Will Harris and Daniel Hudson. Like this team wants to win now. So they can't fall into a 19 and 31 hole the same way they did in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's now or never. They, they got to start making their move to keep themselves in striking distance for when they ultimately can potentially round into their best form. So well, I think the Nats take two or three. Okay. Well, lucky for you, D-backs put Zach Gallon on the injured list yesterday. They put Christian Walker, their first baseman on the injured list yesterday. Ketel Marte still on the injured list, but he might be back for this series. So Ketel Marte is back. That's a huge boost uh, for this team. And uh, look, I don't, I'm not going to say the D-backs are going to win this because uh, their pitching situation is in major flux. Taylor Widener still on the injured list as well. He's been one of the best D-backs pitchers as well. So D-backs are down two of their top three starters. Uh, I got to see, maybe we'll get a mass and bum garner start here. Maybe on that Sunday, we could get uh, a mad bum start because that dude is just absolutely locked in right now. But I, I think this could be a pretty close series. I don't know against Max Scherzer. That's going to be pretty tough for the D-backs. They're definitely going to need their offense to come alive for that. But they're the, they're a top three team in the national league with a run scored. And I don't think I would have predicted that entering the season. So take that for your point against not trying to win. We're out here. It runs on the board, baby. There you go. All right, that's Josh Neighbors of Locked On Nats and Locked On Big 12. Where can the Locked On listeners find you, Josh? Uh, At Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter, at LO underscore Nationals, and then at LO Big 12. Perfect. Thank you, Josh, for hopping on. I'll catch you later, buddy. It was a pleasure, my friend. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Boskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. As always, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Catch up on any pods you might have missed from the past few days. Let's get a dub this week. D-backs, follow me on Lockroom. I'm going live Sunday after the D-backs beat the Nationals. As always, stay safe and stay healthy out there. Deuces!